0: plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is Anita Powell, and this is Black Menopause and Beyond. I have with me today um, <laughs> Cher Wamshaw Brian. So uh, thank you for you know being a guest and, and sharing your menopause experience with us. Can you tell our listeners a bit about who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah absolutely. So firstly thanks so much for having me on. I always love any opportunity to talk about menopause and my journey. It's it's one of the things that I just think is super important. I think the more we talk about these things, the more we can spread awareness and, you know, the more we can help other women, certainly women at the start of their journey who might just be thinking, oh, you know, something's a bit off. So the more we talk about it, the, the more we raise awareness. So yeah, I'm delighted to be here. So I work as a full time marketing director. I work for a small creative agency in Cheshire where I live. But I also have a couple of side hustles, which I I think is quite a trendy thing to to do these days, isn't it? And So I run a blog called Camping with Style. And I started that blog back in, I think it was 2014. Um, I had a really bad snowboarding accident and I actually broke my back kind of used blogging as a way to to kind of aid my recovery, I guess. I've always loved the outdoors. I've always loved camping. And, you know, while I was incapacitated, shall we say, um, I had a little bit more time on my hands and thought, yeah, I'll start a blog. And um, started writing about camping, the outdoors, well-being, uh, mental health. And, and more recently, that's turned into more than a few rants about my
0: experience with perimenopause. Um, you also got another side hustle, haven't you? Because I've noticed your earrings.
2: Yes, you're right, yes. Um, so this is a bit more more recent. So in the last six months or so, I've started making jewellery, which I now sell over on Etsy. And that's going really well. It's nice having a purely creative outlet. And it means that I've always got earrings that I can wear as well, which is doubly great.
0: (laughs) I presume you always have a pair of earrings to go with your outfit because you you make your your own earrings, don't you?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that I've started doing as well, one of the things that I'm really big on is self-care. And I know self-care can look different to lots, lots of people. But for me, that's things like massages, having time out, getting my nails done. So one of the things I've started doing is when I get my nails done, I'll then actually go home and create a pair of earrings that exactly matches how I've had my nails done. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's actually quite i hadn't actually thought about that but that's actually quite <laughs> nice <laughs> so um, yeah that's, actually, that's quite clever um so shall you are in the perimenopause stage what what symptoms do you suffer with
2: ah that, that's a good question um shall how I long get have you got, really <laughs>
0: yeah, i get getting popcorn now
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's one of them so um just to give you a little bit of background i'm now 47 Yeah, 47. Um, And I was diagnosed as entering perimenopause. I was 42 at the time. Um, Luckily, my GP actually hit on that really quickly and suggested that I have a blood test. And really, really quickly, it came back that, yes, you're in perimenopause. So at the age of 42, I was like, what? Peri what? I'd never heard of perimenopause. I think like a lot of women, um, had no idea what it was. I wasn't expecting anything menopause related to happen until maybe in my 50s. I'd spoken to my mum about it and she said, Shell, I sailed through it, didn't even notice. And she was in her 50s. So I expected to follow suit. So when I initially went to the GP with this long list of, um, I guess, afflictions <laughs> that, that I was dealing with, they kind of put two and two together very quickly. So I think for me, the first things that I noticed were to do with my mood. So intense mood swings. I suddenly suffered from PMS, which is something that I've never, ever Struggled with before. But I was finding that I was getting, I guess, rage, almost murderous rage out of nowhere. And it really freaked me out because I've, I've never had anything like it before. I'm quite an easygoing person. So, yeah, intense mood swings. I suddenly noticed that I was really anxious as well. And it was a kind of anxiety that no matter how much you tried to rationalize it, it just wouldn't go away. It it was like anxiety inside my body rather than an anxiety inside my head, if that makes sense. I could feel it physically. Insomnia was another one of the the very big kind of first things that I grappled with. So I think those three things definitely initially. And then I started getting, I guess, more physical bodily symptoms, things like brain fog. I suddenly went from being super organized to being really disorganized and just feeling quite overwhelmed by things and putting things off for the first time, which again, just wasn't like me. I also noticed an uptick in my migraines as well. I've always been a migraine sufferer. At my time of month, I would normally get an increase in migraines, but I was finding that they had got much, much worse. They weren't responding to my usual triptan medication and they could last days and days or they'd go a little bit and then come back and I could go 10 days in a row with a debilitating migraine. So all of these things together kind of (laughs) made me realise, you know, something is not right here. And then when I started crying at adverts, that's when I knew something really was wrong.
0: Any particular advert or... Mm-hmm. anything but literally the, the silliest
2: things adverts that weren't even meant to be sad it could just be a little old man walking down the street and I'd suddenly burst into tears and I'd turn to my husband and I'd go oh look at him oh I hope he's got a family at home and I was just completely inconsolable at the most ridiculous things and I've I've never been I've always been quite stoic I guess Mm. Um and not want to be over emotional, so you know, crying at adverts and things. I was like, yes, something is really wrong. Here.
0: <laughs> what do you use to help you manage your symptoms, or, or are you on medication? Do you have you changed your diet, your your life, yeah. is, your life's kept, so, you know, behavior?
2: When I first spoke to the doctor and they confirmed perimenopause, of course, I went away and started reading, started listening to podcasts, and you know, doing everything that I could find out more about it because at that stage, I didn't really know anything. I was offered HRT and me being me, I was like, nope, I'm fine, I will muddle on regardless, I don't need anything. I'm not a fan of taking medication long term, which I think stems from having mental health problems when my daughter was born. And I was on antidepressants for quite some time, and then really, really struggled to come off them, you know, withdrawal effects and things like that. So since I've become medication free, and have kind of, you know, seen the back of depression, I was very keen not to go on anything else. So HRT, my my first kind of instinct was, no, I'm going to handle this naturally. So I changed my diet. I completely stopped drinking caffeine. Um, I upped my exercise, went to the gym more, started focusing on things like mindfulness. I've always been into meditation, but I thought instead of just doing it occasionally, when I think about it, I integrated that more into my daily life so I did a whole bunch of I, I guess lifestyle things that I thought would help didn't help <laughs> um, so I then moved on to some supplements you know things like black cohosh, all those things that you told can sometimes help I tried pretty much everything so over that first I think 18 months I tried everything that i could think of to, to handle it myself got to the end of the 18 months and i was just like you know what this this is not working i need something else went back to the doctor um they they were happy to prescribe me hrt so i then started on estrogen so i should explain i already have a marina foil so i've already got progesterone in me so they said right okay let's just pump up your estrogen a bit honestly after about three days on the Easter gel, I was like a completely different woman. So much so that at the end of that first week, I sent a letter and a card to my GP just saying thank you thank you so much you know I, I honestly feel like I've got my life back I would say at that stage I kind of felt like I was maybe 90% back to being me which was amazing after feeling like I was maybe you know 30 or 40% of, of what I was like um, so I'm still on the estrogen but I've recently been changed to estrogen patches um, and and I've also since been to see a menopause specialist who has told me that she would like me to also supplement with testosterone as well. So I've actually got an appointment coming up when I'm hoping to have that prescribed to me for the first time. So what I found is that HRT definitely helped Certainly initially, it really, really helped. But I'm finding that it tends to become, I guess, less effective over time. I guess it's because my hormones are fluctuating and my doses of HRT aren't changing to, I guess, keep up with my hormone fluctuation. So I'm finding that it's helping me to a point that I will have blitz where I kind of feel like I'm in a bit of a bad place again, where I'm just not like me anymore. So it's helped, but I'm definitely not there yet.
0: You mentioned that you were that you see a menopause specialist. Is that on the National Health Service or is that private?
2: Yeah. So um, after having a few private blood tests, because I, I didn't feel like I was getting the support I needed. So I, I was put on HRT. Like I say, it helped for a little while. After about a year on that, I started getting a resurgence of a lot of the old symptoms. So the anxiety, the insomnia, and I started getting much worse, hot flashes, lots of things that I was just finding quite debilitating you know, working as a marketing director, I need to be operating at, you know, quite a high level each day. And I was really, really struggling again. So I went back to my GP and I said, look, you know, this has helped, but I something needs adjusting again. And they they just weren't very supportive. They weren't very proactive. I, I think from their point of view, they felt like, well, you've got the oestrogen. That's it. That's all you need. You know, off, off you go and, you know, just get on with it. So I had some private blood tests so I could see exactly where each of my hormone levels were. And I used that to then go back to the GP and say, you know, look, this is clearly showing my key hormones are still out of balance. And that, you know, something needs to be done to adjust the HRT that I'm taking. So after about another year of battling and just generally just not feeling like me. And and I think that's a feeling that, you know, quite a lot of women in perimenopause can, can appreciate. You, you just no longer feel like you. You don't feel like you're operating as well as you used to. And it's hard. It's really hard. So... The GP actually diagnosed me with something that was completely new to me um, called perimenopause disorder. Um, Sorry if you can hear my cat meowing at the moment, by the way. She's walking around being really, really strange, just meowing at nothing. So yeah, she diagnosed me with perimenopause disorder. Like I say, completely new on me, but in doing that... She did agree to then let me see an NHS menopause specialist. Now, there's only a handful of these clinics throughout the UK. And the waiting list is long. So I was referred, I think it was last November. It was literally just a few weeks ago that I actually saw the specialist.
0: Ten months think, was it? Was that 10 months or
2: yeah, I, I think it was just over nine months that I ended up waiting. And of course, that that nine months were hell. <laughs> <laughs> because things just weren't right in that time. Yeah, it's it's taken a whole arsenal of random coping mechanisms. to to try and get through to to the point where I could see a specialist. So she has changed me to the oestrogen patches. I'm not entirely sure why. I think there must be a slightly different kind of delivery mechanism between the gel and the patches. So she thought that would be more effective for me. And she's the one that also told me that she thought I would benefit from testosterone. So I'm just awaiting an appointment with my own GP now for him to actually go ahead and prescribe me the testosterone that that the specialist has recommended. So I'm hoping that that's going to help dampen down the anxiety a little bit, that it's going to perhaps bring back my completely non-existent sex drive, which would be nice. And I think my husband would uh, be quite relieved as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that having that in conjunction with the progesterone and the oestrogen is gonna help matters a little bit, but it's it's just been such a long journey, even just to get to this
0: point. Well, it does sound like it's um it has been a long journey, because you say you're 47 now. Yeah it started when you were 42. Yeah. And the thing is that you have told me that you you you've seen your GP, you've been prescribed HRT. Some women don't even get that. You've seen that's, them, that's, that's true, yeah. So some women some women that's not even offered to them. But your journey so far has taken five years.
2: It, um, it has. So even though I was very lucky and my GP twigged very quickly.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello
2: It's still being a battle to actually get the help that I feel like I need I mean
0: you mentioned about your libido and your partner Has it mm. caused, I mean don't have to go into major details Whatever, but has it caused a major strain?
2: Yeah, I mean it, it has changed things um, I mean essentially we're newlyweds We didn't get married until just after the pandemic last year And yeah, I, I just don't have those kind of thoughts, those desires. And after a lifetime of being quite a sexual person and that being a big part of my life, that's been quite hard to deal with. You know, it's it's been hard for me to to suddenly just not have these desires anymore. My husband's been amazing, really, really amazing and supportive. But it is difficult. It is really difficult because you do want that physical closeness. But if the desire isn't there... And um, you know, and the body isn't willing, it, it does make things really tough.
0: And do you feel possibly that your emotional thoughts has an impact on your work relationships or 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 your ability as a parent yeah
2: I mean I'm lucky my daughter is grown up now so my daughter is 27 so your role changes quite a lot when when they get to that age when they've got their own house and things like that so it's more of a hands-off parenting role but I'm still very aware of the fact that you know, she's my daughter and I do have a duty of care and I want to be there for her. And I don't want all of our interactions to be me, you know, moaning about how anxious I feel, you know, how little sleep I've had. We do quite a lot of things together. So we do things like open water swimming together. That's,
0: and that's supposed to help menopause, isn't it? The cold water shock. It's Yeah, does absolutely. It, is, it, is it just, does it actually help or does it just shock you and you forget how you felt before? <laughs>
2: Yeah, so part of me thinks that your body just goes into so much shock. And your body is just screaming, what are you doing to me? But you have no ability to think about or worry about anything else. So so I think that could be part of it. But actually, the endorphin boost that you get from cold water swimming is absolutely incredible. And I know it's become quite fashionable over the last few years. Not with me, by the way, not with me. (laughs) No, not with sane people, Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I... I would say cold water swimming. It's it's not gonna you know suddenly make menopause a breeze for you. But for me, it's been one of many kind of coping mechanisms and one of the things that I use to support better mental health. And it it does help. It definitely helps. And it's meant to really boost your immune system as well and keep colds and things like that at bay. So uh, yeah, I I love it.
0: Yeah, I must admit, I kind of cringe when I go swimming and the water. Slightly cold. (laughs) I'm that person, (laughs) and that's a swimming pool. Can you imagine the noise I would make in a lake? I tell
1: you, (laughs) I,
2: I honestly used to be exactly the same, and it was a couple of years ago. And I thought my first winter swim, I don't want to do it on my own. So um, I joined this swimming group and they do an introduction to cold water swimming. So they teach you all about, you know, what to wear, how to breathe, how to regulate your breathing before you actually go in and everything. And that was really, really useful, just kind of having the support there to knowing that I was going to be safe and that, you know, I wasn't going to go into cold shock and die. But yeah, I've made. Some uh, pretty loud noises. Certainly, when the water's down at like four or five degrees. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: It, it's... And you come out as a person, not looking like a frozen fish finger. You go... <laughs> <laughs> You've just got this image. You go in as your normal <laughs> self, and then you come out as a block of ice. No,
2: <laughs> I love that image. But no, I, I'm pleased to say that I've never come
0: out as a frozen
2: block of ice. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's good. I might, I might try. You know what? I might try a cold bath, and I'll build up to it. Maybe <laughs> I need to try that more different like things. <laughs> I need to try different things. I looked at your webpage, and I have yeah. noticed that you also incorporate holistic strategies as well as medical. Can you tell us a bit about your holistic strat- strategies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I. I think from my point of
2: view, one of the issues that we face is that when we see doctors, they don't tend to take a holistic approach. My personal experience has been that they will look at each individual symptom and then they will try to treat each of those individual symptoms rather than thinking about it holistically and thinking about, right, okay, what's actually causing these symptoms? and tackling those root causes. For me that's that's been a real frustration that they don't take a more holistic view and they just look at everything in isolation. So for me part of my personal strategy has been just to find coping mechanisms that boost my mental health that help me deal with the raised anxiety, things like working from home throughout the pandemic, pandemic, sorry, has been really, really useful to me because when you're suffering from insomnia, obviously, if you've got to commute or you've got to drive, you've got to be up early the next day to get into the office, that can add an extra layer of stress and anxiety onto it, which can make the insomnia worse and spiral. So there's lots of things that I've been able to implement that are helping. I wouldn't say they're eliminating the symptoms, but I guess, They're helping to minimize and in some cases mitigate the symptoms. So working from home means that if I do have a bad night of sleep, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. All I'm doing is getting up, going downstairs, putting the laptop on, no stress whatsoever. So I've taken lots of active steps to try and minimize additional stresses out of my life. I've been quite open and honest with my friends, my family, and just let people know. My employer's been really good as well. He's been really understanding. There's been some days when my anxiety has just been through the roof and no matter what i've done i've not been able to to get that under control and i've been able to go to him and say you know look can i not have any face to face client meetings or you know any phone calls just for the rest of the afternoon so I think being honest about what your needs are, setting boundaries for yourself, learning to say no, not overstretching, looking after your physical, your mental health. I think that all things that go hand in hand in kind of getting through perimenopause.
0: I mean, your workplace, that sounds um, very good. Do they put strategies and things in place and do they have a menopause policy, your work?
2: It, it would your be nice course. if they do. Um, and I'm quite lucky in that I've got several female friends who are around the same age and a little bit older who are also going through perimenopause. So we all kind of share stories, get together like a a bunch of grumpy old groans and talk about these things. And most of my friends work for much bigger organisations and it's really heartening to see that many of them do now have policies in place. I work for a very small business So the benefit of a small business is great flexibility um, and great understanding from the managing director. But conversely, it does mean that, you know, we don't have a HR team. So we don't have any policies like that in place. And I think that's where communication, you know,
0: with the people that you work with becomes important. I must admit, I'm, I'm lucky because I, well, my boss tells me this, that he's going through manopause. Is it manopause? Right. <laughs> so he has more hot flashes than me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So so we have to share We share each other uh, no, it's, it's my time It's my time Okay it's your time yeah. And we have that So I'm quite lucky Because um, the empathy He gives me I have to give back
2: Oh <laughs> yeah No it, it really does Make a difference When you have That kind of level Of understanding Definitely
0: mm, That's good Now also I mean you have Mentioned about Your camping And your love Of the great outdoor outdoors mm. And you've also Mentioned the cold Water swimming Which I'm still yeah. Kind of getting my head around (laughs) as a whole how does it help you with your menopause symptoms
2: so for me I think with many of my menopause symptoms being around anxiety um mental health things like that I find that grounding myself is probably the number one most important thing that I do to to kind of me through this journey, uh, which is a journey that's turned out to be way longer than I was hoping it would be. I do find that grounding myself is really necessary. I can find that I get overly anxious. I've learned now that when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling that, you know, everything's too much, I'm not coping and just generally feeling frustrated that I'm I'm not kind of the usual old me. I know then when that happens that I need to get outside. And for me nature and being outdoors is the best way I know to ground myself. So mindfulness has become really, really important to me. And being able to spend an extended amount of time outside is just the absolute best thing for me. So the weekend before last, I went away and we spent three days in a tent right beside a lake. We were the only people at the campsite and it was absolutely glorious. There was woodland. So I did nothing, absolutely nothing. In the day, I would just sit there listening to the birds, reading my Kindle. We'd get up and go for a little wander around the woods. We'd look for fungi. And I just find reconnecting with nature, getting away from my normal life, getting away from technology even, is just so, so beneficial to me. And I think that's the number one thing that helps me cope certainly with the feelings of anxiety that have become so much more prevalent with menopause
0: somebody like me someone who's never been camping yeah and out the great outdoors is my part how would I get into what you do and how would I is there is any recommendations if somebody wants to try camping or or um, glamping or yeah
2: (laughs) so actually you, you mentioning glamping and that is probably the easiest way for somebody to get into it mm. so camping can be surprisingly expensive and um, I think most of us think camping is you know a poor man's holiday choice and actually that that just isn't the case campsites can be extremely expensive and investing in obviously your tent, a decent sleeping bag a nice bed all of those things can be super expensive as well so what i would say is glamping is probably a happy medium you're not investing in lots of camping gear that you might only use once and then never use again but you're still getting a similar experience so you're still going to be living a lot closer to nature. Glamping sites are generally in beautiful countryside locations, you know, really stunning woodland settings. So you're still going to be getting away from, I guess, the hurly-burly of everyday life. So I would say look for an off-grid glamping site, And for somebody that's never done it before, that's probably your best introduction to it. Take some books um, and just live more simply, you know, even if it's just for one night, just enjoy kind of that feeling of switching off and reconnecting with nature. And I always say that you, you just feel so much lighter after you've spent an extended amount of time outdoors. You feel like you can breathe again. And I think that's something that's missing from, from lots of our lives, you know, whether we're perimenopausal or not.
0: I mean, I noticed on your webpage that you went to Antigua. Did you do camping there in Antigua? I
2: did, yes, yes. So I was contacted by a lovely lady, uh, Benita, who runs a campsite over there. So she's um, she's British um, and she moved out there a few years ago to fulfil her dream of running a glamping site. And it's the most amazing place. I think normally when you think of the Caribbean, you think of, you know, five-star luxury resorts and, you know, tails on tap so actually getting the opportunity to go somewhere like that and do it in a completely different way was absolutely amazing so they've got fully furnished uh beautiful canvas tents right on the beach and you are literally steps away from the caribbean sea the the tents they've got showers um they've got a, a proper bed um they've got little sofas in there so that they, <laughs> yeah (laughs) absolutely amazing so yeah it 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 was yeah it, it was a really special experience
0: for sure Oh, that's that's interesting. I'm going to look at that that blog a bit more.
2: Yeah, (laughs) do, do. Yeah, if if that doesn't get you interested in glamping, I don't know what will.
0: (laughs) We're about to come to the end of the interview, but what recommendations would you give the listeners? I
2: think education, first and foremost, is really, really important. I think there's so many different symptoms that can be attributed to perimenopause that sometimes it can be quite, difficult ourselves to figure out what's going on. And I think early on, it can be really scary actually not understanding what's going on, not understanding why you feel this way or, you know, what's causing these things. So I think the number one thing is education, listening to podcasts like this one, reading everything that, you know, that you can get your hands on, sharing experiences with other women. And I think that education then gives you the confidence Confidence and the information you need to then better advocate for yourself. I would say when you're going to your GP, be clear about what you want to get out of them. Be clear about your needs and, you know, don't take no for an answer. It's not acceptable for them to fob you off. You know, so many women are presenting with perimenopause symptoms and then just being given antidepressants and told to bugger off and just get on with it. And it is just not right. So I think even though we shouldn't have to, we have to be really firm, we have to stand our ground, and we have to advocate for receiving the treatment that that we deserve.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much, Cheryl.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.